0: I um, wanted to uh, mention a couple things. You may or may not know that uh, we support some missionaries uh, in India by the name of Samuel and Zerini. And uh, Zerini has been pregnant, and uh, she her first child, Johannes, was born, and she had to have a C-section, um, which always gives some complications potentially to the next pregnancy. Uh, and she had those Plus, uh, compounding the stress of that was access to good medical care where they are, are living. And so we've been praying with them, um, walking with them from afar. It's been really stressful, but um, there's been good news that they their son has been delivered safely. Everything went really, really well. We're, we're so grateful that God sent uh, skilled doctors, surgeons, and their son Zephaniah was born. And everybody seems very healthy and cute. It's, uh, we're very grateful for that. Um, next Sunday is uh, the Sunday that we are, are moving to have as many people as possible involved in what we're calling missional communities. Uh, we're going to still worship together uh, outdoors uh, about once a month, weather permitting and all that. Um, But otherwise, we're inviting uh, everybody to gather throughout the valley in these missional communities throughout the summer, Uh, hopefully moving towards uh, a time that we can be back here in this building worshiping together. Uh, We're shooting for the middle of August if we Get all of our ducks in a row and, and learn everything we need to learn and get ready. That's the target date. Um, but we are not uh, encouraging you to sort of push pause on church in your head. It's very important to understand we are still a church, we are still having church every Sunday. Um, and that's been happening these past couple of months, and it's going to continue to happen in these missional communities. So if you're a member of Valley Hope, you should have by now received uh, a phone call or text or an email or something like that from an elder. Uh, and if it hasn't happened, it should be happening very soon. And everybody, whether you're a member or not, hopefully if you're subscribed to our email, you saw an email that went out from Amy Berry, who we've hired to direct these missional communities this summer, which we're really stoked about her and everything that she's going to do for us. There's a video with it and some information, some links that you could uh, click to if you had questions or if you wanted to, to sign up. So please do that. You do not have to be a member of Valley Hope to be a part of a missional community. We know there's plenty of folks that come to our church that are not members. That is great. We're, you are totally welcome. We just need you to sign up so that we don't forget you and we put you somewhere. Hopefully that's a good combination of geographically close to you uh, and uh, to the comfort level that you're, you're ready for during these COVID times. So please uh, be on the lookout for that and sign up as quick as you can. If you're going to decide later in the summer that that is when you're ready, that's totally fine. Uh, You'll be able to sign up then, and we'll get you in one. Until then, we'll continue to do this. Uh, It may look slightly different uh, as we sort of format things for these missional communities, but by and large, it'll look just like this, and you can continue along if you're going to stay in your home. All right. Today is Trinity Sunday. The Sunday following Pentecost is what we call Trinity Sunday, where we exult in the fact that we worship a Trinitarian God. And we uh, actually have a passage that's really helpful for us in in glorying in the Trinity and the work of the Trinity uh, in our lives. So we're in Philippians 3, verses 1 through 16. Finally, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same thing to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Look out for the dogs, look out for the evildoers, look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh. Also, Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you continue to speak that word to your church. We we thank you that these words are not just words from St. Paul 2,000 years ago. These words carry your authority, and we pray that we would be attentive to your voice and that your Holy Spirit would imprint them on our lives and change us, shape us, form us to be like you for your glory. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Paul here uh, is dealing with righteousness. And when we say righteousness, we need to be clear about what we're talking about because that's a sort of uh, a word that we may think we know uh, and maybe we do, but we need to just be clear because it's the thing that Paul is talking about. Paul is talking about righteousness as uh, basically a, a, a what column are you in? Are you right with God Righteous? Are you right with God or are you not? And Paul is dealing with opponents. You can hear him talk about them as dogs. And if you're wondering, this isn't like the cute puppy dogs kind of dogs. This is like Paul is really looking down on them and curling his lip and saying, oh, those dogs. So, if you're not a dog person, if you're a dog person, this may not be the passage for you. But he is dealing with these opponents who are saying, in order to be right with God, you have to do this thing called circumcision. This ritual that males in the Jewish faith had to do where their flesh was cut and they're physically marked. These people, the cut ones, they are right with God. And Paul is aggressive against these people. He speaks against them Uh, numerous times in various different books of the Bible, and he's just about had it with these people, these dogs, these mutilators of the flesh. Paul's teaching, the teaching that we see that's actually not just a New Testament teaching, but we can see the, the arrows pointing towards it, even in the Old Testament, is that nothing can make you right with God. Because you and I have a problem. You and I know deeply what that problem is. That no matter how hard we try to be the kind of people who are right with God. To be what we would call good people. We know that when we compare ourselves to a perfect God, we are never good enough. And when we do that, we, we cope with that feeling by working really hard. We try to be the best that we can. We try to pile up a list of credentials that we can basically slide across the desk to God and say, Can't, can I be on your team? Am I good? Are we right with each other? And Paul is going to make clear here the way that we are made right with God. He says, look, if, if we're going to compare the things that we can do on our list, on our spiritual resume, I have the best resume. That's what he's saying we want to compare, if we want to do this thing, I have the best resume. And he lists his qualifications. He's circumcised. He's circumcised on the eighth day. He's of the tribe of Benjamin, which uh, seems to have had this reputation as an especially zealous tribe uh, within Israel. A Hebrew of Hebrews. Uh, as to the law, a Pharisee. And Pharisees were known as these super passionate uh. Teachers, very attentive to every letter of the law. That's, he's saying, I was a Pharisee. As to zeal, a persecutor of the church. As to righteousness under the law, blameless. And so you're you're sort of, if Paul is a normal guy, a normal person like you and I, you'd expect him to say, okay, let's throw this down. I bet I'm better than you. But Paul turns, he pivots, and he says... Basically, that none of that is worth anything to him. He says that whole list of accomplishments is, is worth nothing. And your Bible in English kind of struggles to tell you how, how much he's sort of spitting on those qualifications. My translation says rubbish. What it really says is like a really kind of, not kind of, very rude word for poopy. What he says is, this is dog poopy. Okay, this whole long list of things that he's good at, he he's saying, you know how these dogs, these mutilators of the flesh, that are kind of attacking me, those dogs. Well, this is dog poopy. That's what he's saying. These qualifications, my resume, means nothing. Okay, then where does that leave Paul? Does that mean that Paul is forever uh, in the bad column? Is Paul, if Paul is doomed, are we all doomed? Paul's answer is, is no. He has somebody else's resume. He has somebody else's treasure in his account. And he tells it to us. He says, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. I, for his sake, I've suffered the loss of all things. Count them as that poopy. There it is. In order that I might gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God that depends on faith. The righteousness from God that depends on faith. Paul says that he is by rights, even on his very best day, entirely in debt to God. And he cannot pay his bills. And God gives him what he does not have and just declares him, you are right with me. God gives that to him. Because of who? Because of Jesus. It is is Jesus, the one who is forever and eternally right with God that, that God looks at Jesus and says, I'm going to take the status that he has, the label, the stamp that I've given him. And I'm going to stamp it on you. I'm just going to give it to you as a gift. And the, the way that you get God to do that is not to, to perform better, or to, to perform right or cajole him or trick him or anything like that. It's you trust God to do all of the work for you and he approves you. You are righteous because of what Jesus has done for you. But what does that, where does that leave us? You can stamp all you want on my forehead every day. I still got to live my life. So are you saying then that now every Christian is perfect? No way. Have you hung out with Christians? They're the worst. I'm the worst, okay? I have significant problems every single day. I fall short every single day. My resume isn't nearly as good as Paul's. And I, that, all that stuff is my own rubbish. But I have that stamp put on me, God's stamp and seal of approval, being declared righteous only because. Of Jesus. So the Father looks to us and treats us as His Son. But that's not the only thing that's going on here in this passage. Because then Paul just turns and tells the Philippian people keep going. Press on towards the goal. So he's saying this thing is done, but also it's not done. It's finished, but it's not finished. What God is doing is actually transforming us and making us to be the people that he's already declared us to be. So what happens when God puts his stamp of approval on us is he tells you the end of the race. He tells you the end of the story. He declares what he is counting now and what will be true at the end of the race. He makes you right on his rule book, on his accounts book, and then he makes you right. He actually transforms you. So what Paul is saying to the Philippians is keep going, press forward, push, push on towards the goal. The goal being Jesus. And that happens in us because of the Holy Spirit. We have to be a Trinitarian people. Father, Son, Holy Spirit are all involved in saving and redeeming us and bringing us close to him. So because of the work of Jesus, the Father declares me righteous. and Because of the Holy Spirit, God makes me righteous slowly over time until one day I see Jesus face to face. And this transforms everything. This means you don't have to live your life constantly under the terrible weight and burden of shame. You don't have to constantly wonder, is God going to approve of me? You have your full and final answer. It's on the cross. God's approval is given to you. God makes you right with him anything that you can offer to him as counter evidence, anything that you would say is proof that he should not call you that, he would look at you and say, I already know. I saw you on your best day and said it wasn't good enough. I've certainly seen you on your worst day and it's not good enough. Jesus is good enough for you. And as you stumble along towards the perfect, uh, which is him, his own perfection, his own goodness, he gives you his own spirit. He puts his spirit inside of you so that it's not up to you. Paul tells you uh, right there in verse 12, I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. It's already done because I'm his own and it's still happening because I'm making it my own. This is what we talked about earlier in in Philippians. Work out your salvation through fear and trembling. God will complete what he has begun. This transforms our whole life. This Sunday, if you are feeling the weight of all of your sin, if you are feeling the condemnation because of the way that you have given yourself over, to the works of darkness, to your own flesh, to your own pride. If you can read the law, you can hear the Sermon on the Mount, you know you've broken like all the commands this week, not to mention last week and the week before and the week before. You will never reach a threshold at which you are too much for God. Jesus's mercy, Jesus's righteousness is bigger than your sin. Don't Try to perform up to God's standard to try to earn his approval. Instead, trust Jesus and receive the gift that he's given you. And if you've already done that, if you know, like, yes, I know I I trust Jesus. That's, That's what saves me. But I still struggle so badly. I still fail so badly. The gospel does not run out of good news for you. You are not going to reach the point where God is sick of you or annoyed with you. He's always seen who you are and the Holy Spirit will complete the work that's begun in you. So when you are tempted to run away from God and in, in such manifest disappointment and shame over yourself, know that he's already seen you. And if you would turn to him, he would heal you with his love. Leave aside your resume and instead come take up what Jesus offers to you as a gift. You have nothing and Jesus gives you everything. That is the great delight and joy of the gospel. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, we thank you that uh, you do not demand that we would be righteous on our own terms. You know that we can't, that even the very best, the highlights of our resume are, are a hill of worthlessness. And yet, On the hill of your cross, you have given to us all of your goodness. All of the approval of the Son of God is given to the sons and daughters of God. And Father, I pray that you would help us to despise anything, any sense within us that we could make you owe us that we would compel you to accept us. Help us to despise those things. There's no way we can manipulate you into accepting us, but instead take us to the better place where we can lay all of those things aside, the best parts of us, and open up our hands and receive the best of God. Father, you know that we are are a, a weak and fickle people. You know that we are imperfect. Help us to just trust you. On our very best days, we're, we're a mix of doubter and believer. Help us to our, our confidence not to be in the degree to which we feel like we trust you. Help our confidence to be in you. Jesus, thank you for giving us everything. We had nothing. You gave us everything. And we are so grateful. Help us to press on, to keep pushing forward, into you by the power of the Holy Spirit, that we would more and more make you our own as you have made us your own. We love you, Jesus. Help us to love you more. Amen.